Hello friends, it's June 2nd and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I am serving as your tour guide as we visit every verse in every chapter of every one of the 66 books of the Bible. We are making our way through the Old Testament narrative and have witnessed how God is progressively unfolding His plan of redemption that will be centered in His Son, the Messiah, the Christ, the great shepherd king who will reconcile the lost and guilty to himself by laying down his life as the atoning sacrificial lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. Of course, I am speaking of Jesus Christ. In the book of Second Samuel, we read of King David's rule as king of Israel, who, although blatantly flawed, proves to be Israel's greatest king. David admits that he is a sinner in desperate need of a savior. He trusts in God's mercy and he knows the joy of having his sins forgiven by trusting the promised provision of a just and holy God. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans in the New Testament, David, like Abraham, is used as an example of an undeserving sinner who believes God's promise of a Redeemer and is justified by faith. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness, just as David, that is in Psalm 32, also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Having been justified by faith in Christ, We have seen how the consequences of David's sin are sorely felt. Numerous members of his own household and once-trusted leaders plague David with their infidelities, betrayals, and rebellions. Personally betrayed and attacked by friends, family, and accusers, probably no one's rebellion impacted David more than that of his own son, Absalom. His son Absalom usurped his father's authority and robbed him of his throne forcing David out of the country. When David musters a remnant to attack the conspirators, Absalom is killed. Although David's men have valiantly won the day on his behalf, they might as well have been defeated, for it appears that David mourns his adversary Absalom's death more than he would have mourned the death of his loyal supporters who risked their lives for him. It takes a strong rebuke from Joab, his commander, to bring David out of his stupor of misplaced natural affections, to rightly honor those who fought to preserve his God-given right to rule. Now that Absalom was dead, the people began to realize that the time had come to bring back David to his own country, his own city, and to his own throne. But this would not be without resistance. So let's pick up where we left off our reading yesterday. We'll start with 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11. And I am reading from the English Standard Version. Second Samuel chapter 19, verse 11. And King David sent this message to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Say to the elders of Judah, Why should you be the last to bring the king back to his house, when the word of all Israel has come to the king? You are my brothers, you are my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also, 
if you are not commander of my army from now on in place of Joab. And he swayed the heart of all the men of Judah as one man, so that they sent word to the king, Return, both you and all your servants. So the king came back to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and to bring the king over the Jordan. And Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite, from Bahurim, hurried to come down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And with him were a thousand men from Benjamin. And Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, with his fifteen sons and his twenty servants, rushed down to the Jordan before the king. And they crossed the ford to bring over the king's household and to do his pleasure. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king, as he was about to cross the Jordan, and said to the king, Let not my lord hold me guilty, or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. Do not let the king take it to heart, for your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I have come this day, the first of all the house of Joseph, to come down to meet my lord the king. Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? But David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, that you should this day be as an adversary to me? Shall anyone be put to death in Israel this day? For do I not know that I am this day king over Israel? And the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king gave him his oath. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes, from the day the king departed, until the day he came back in safety. And when he came to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? He answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for your servant said to him, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go with the king. For your servant is lame. He has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Do therefore what seems good to you. For all my father's house were but men doomed to death before my lord the king. But you set your servant among those who eat at your table. What further right have I then to cry to the king? And the king said to him, why speak any more of your affairs? I have decided. You and Ziba shall divide the land. Oh, let him take it all, since my lord the king has come safely home. Now Barzillai, the Gileadite, had come down from Rogalim, and he went on with the king to the Jordan to escort him over the Jordan. Barzillai was a very aged man, eighty years old, he had provided the king with food while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come over with me, and I will provide for you with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How many years have I still to live, that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am this day eighty years old. Can I discern what is pleasant and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats or what he drinks? Can I still listen to the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way over the Jordan with the king. Why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant return, 
that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and my mother. But here is your servant Chimham. Let him go over with my lord the king, and do for him whatever seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me, and I will do for him whatever seems good to you, and all that you desire of me I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and the king went over. And the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own home. The king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him. All the people of Judah, and also half the people of Israel, brought the king on his way. Then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brothers, the men of Judah, stolen you away, and brought the king and his household over the Jordan, and all David's men with him? All the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is our close relative. Why then are you angry over this matter? Have we eaten at all at the king's expense? Or has he given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah, We have ten shares in the king, and in David also we have more than you. Why then did you despise us? Were we not the first to speak of bringing back our king? But the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Chapter 20 Now there happened to be there a worthless man whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjaminite. And he blew the trumpet and said, We have no portion in David, and we have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So all the men of Israel withdrew from David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. And the men of Judah followed their king steadfastly from the Jordan to Jerusalem. And David came to his house at Jerusalem. And the king took the ten concubines whom he had left to care for the house, and put them in a house under guard and provided for them, but did not go into them. So they were shut up until the day of their death, living as if in widowhood. Then the king said to Amasa, Call the men of Judah together to me within three days, and be here yourself. So Amasa went to summon Judah, but he delayed beyond the set time that had been appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, the son of Bichri, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your lord's servants and pursue him, lest he get himself to fortified cities and escape from us. And there went out after him Joab's men, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and all the mighty men. They went out from Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. When they were at the great stone that is in Gibeon, Amasa came to meet them. Now Joab was wearing a soldier's garment, and over it was a belt with a sword in its sheath fastened on his thigh. And as he went forward, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Is it well with you, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not observe the sword that was in Joab's hand. So Joab struck him with it in the stomach and spilled his entrails to the ground without striking a second blow and he died. Then Joab and Abishai his brother pursued Sheba the son of Bichri. And one of Joab's young men took his stand by Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. And Amasa lay wallowing in his blood in the highway, and anyone who came by, seeing him, stopped. And when the man saw that all the people stopped, he carried Amasa out of the highway into the field and threw a garment over him. 
when he was taken out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. And this concludes our reading from today's Old Testament passage from Second Samuel. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. Although David was from the tribe of Judah, apparently the elders of Judah aligned themselves with Absalom's rebellion. It is hard for people to swallow their pride when they discover they have backed the wrong man. This may explain why the tribe of Judah was hesitant to invite David back. David showed his political savvy by making Amasa, the former commander of Absalom's army, his new commander, securing the allegiance of the rebel army. King David starts back to Jerusalem. When he arrives at the Jordan River, it seems that all Judah has had a change of heart and are ready to receive David as their king. David pardons Shemai, the man who originally cursed him when David was leaving Jerusalem. He expresses a contrite spirit as he asks David for forgiveness. For your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I have come today, the first of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet my lord the king. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 20. Shimei demonstrates repentance by admitting he has sinned against the king, pleading for mercy while recognizing that the king had every right to punish him. Abishai calls for Shimei's death, but David intercedes. David then said, What have I to do with you, O sons of Zeruiah, that you should this day be an adversary to me? Should any man be put to death in Israel today? For do I not know that I am king over Israel today? Second Samuel chapter 19, verse 22. Next, David meets Mephibosheth. You may recall that Ziba, a servant of King Saul, had slandered Mephibosheth by reporting that Mephibosheth had been disloyal, refused to follow David, and was a participant in Absalom's rebellion. Mephibosheth knows that he should only expect death and that David will make a decision that would be pleasing to God in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 27. David decides that Ziba and Mephibosheth should divide the land equally between them. Mephibosheth reflects a heart that recognizes that restored fellowship is more valuable than any earthly treasure. Mephibosheth said to the king, Let him even take it all, since my lord the king has come safely to his own house. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 30. Next we meet Barzillai again. He is now eighty years old and is undoubtedly feeling his age. David wants to return his kindness for supplying him with provisions when he was in need. David invites him to return with him and to stay in Jerusalem. There he promises to meet his every need. Barzillai replies that he believes he would be a burden to David. He opts to go to his hometown to retire, but he commends his friend Chimham to receive the good that David had purposed for Barzillai. We can see some jealousies arising among the tribes as each tribe tries to lay claim to the king and the privilege of ferrying him across the Jordan and accompanying him back to Jerusalem. David welcomes the repentant members from Judah, but alienates some from the other tribes. Sheba, a hothead from the tribe of Benjamin, is rejecting David, saying, He's not our king. Now a worthless fellow happened to be there whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew the trumpet and said, We have no portion in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. Second Samuel chapter 20, verse 1. So all except Judah and Benjamin 
deserted David and followed Sheba. Oh, the fickleness of the human heart! When David returns to Jerusalem, he banishes his ten concubines to seclusion. He would care for their needs, but would no longer sleep with them as Absalom had done in Second Samuel chapter 16, verses 21 to 22. Ahithophel had said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself odious to your father. The hands of all who are with you will also be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. The king orders Amasa to summon the army within three days to attack Sheba. Amasa is too slow, so David orders Abishai and Joab to go after Sheba with an elite guard and the king's own bodyguard. When they arrive at the great stone of Gibeon, Joab and his brother Abishai meet Amasa and his troops. Joab steps forward to greet Amasa, whom David had appointed as leader of the army. Joab pretends to welcome Amasa with a kiss, pulling Amasa's beard to the side as he secretly slips a dagger into Amasa's belly. Joab and Abishai left him there in a pool of blood in the middle of the road. One of Joab's men shouts out to Amasa's troops, If you are for David, follow Joab. Those in the army of Amasa now join Joab and Abishai and go on their way to capture Sheba. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, John chapter 21, verses 1 to 25. Jesus appears to seven disciples. John chapter 21, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, where he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, 
Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This concludes our reading from the New Testament, and it concludes our reading of the fourth gospel, the gospel according to John. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, is given three opportunities to confess his allegiance and love to Christ in John chapter 21. After seeing the Lord Jesus raised from the dead, Peter returns to his familiar pastime of fishing. Maybe he needed cash. Perhaps he was confused. The other disciples joined him. And as had happened before, they fished all night and caught nothing. They hear a man call out from the shore, Cast your net on the right side of the boat. They did so and received a miraculous catch of 153 fish. Unlike the previous miraculous catch of fish in Luke chapter 5, they could not draw the net in and the nets did not break. John recognizes that the mysterious man on the shore is the Lord. Peter dives into the water and swims enthusiastically to the shore. The men bring in the boat and meet Jesus, who already has a fire going and has provided his own fish to feed them with, and bread. Jesus serves them all that he has. After breakfast, Jesus asks Peter three times, Peter, do you really love me? The first two times, Jesus uses the Greek word agape, value love, in his question. Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you, using the word filio, which means the love of mutuality. In each instance, Jesus challenges Peter to show his love for God by taking care of his people. Feed my sheep, my lambkins, 
and lambs, acknowledging the different kinds of people to care for. Jesus also lets Peter know that the sacrificial value love that he will have in the future will be demonstrated in the way he dies. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will direct you and take you where you don't want to go. It is a picture of being fully surrendered. John lets us know that it is a picture of the kind of death that Peter would have as a martyr who will glorify God. Peter asks Jesus about John's future. Jesus says that we are not to be occupied with the destinies of others, but only to follow him. John concludes the gospel, reminding the reader that he was an eyewitness of all these things. John chapter 21, verse 24 and 25. This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Now let's go to the book of Psalms and to read Psalm 120, verses 1 through 7. Deliver me, O Lord, a song of ascents. Psalm 120. In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long I have made my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon this psalm. After reading Psalm 119 with its 176 verses, Psalm 120 with its 7 verses seems quite short. Psalms 120 through 134 are known as the Songs of Ascent or Pilgrim Psalms. The Jewish communities sing these as they made their three annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. No matter from what direction you are coming, you are always going upwards in elevation when you travel to Jerusalem. Each psalm is a step up in the journey. Psalm 120 begins the journey in a distant land in hostile surroundings. In Psalm 122, the arrival of pilgrims in Jerusalem is pictured. The remaining psalms, Psalm 123 to 134, describe the approach to the temple, citing the various characteristics of God. It is likely that they were sung together and this explains their short length. Two of them only have three verses. This psalm, Psalm 120, is about a man who was prevented from attending the feast and had to stay home among people who made life difficult for him. This psalm reminds us that we have enemies without and within. They can easily distract us from wholehearted worship. We are also reminded who we are to turn to when we need deliverance. There is the internal enemy at work in our thought life and speech in verse 2. Yes, there are those in the world who speak evil against us, but there is a world of evil in our own tongues. See James chapter 3 verse 6, and it will incur judgment. James chapter 3 verse 1 and Psalm 120 verse 3. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. In Psalm 120 verse 7. 
As ambassadors for Christ, how can we be victorious peacemakers in the midst of a world system antagonistic to the Prince of Peace? The psalmist advocates prayer. In my trouble, I cried to the Lord, in verse 1. He encourages us to trust in what the Lord has given, in verse 4, of the armor of God to protect us from the sharp arrows of the enemy. The big idea is that the psalmist is motivated to have his soul depart from living in unbelief in the company of influences that oppose God's rule. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verses 16 and 17. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. What is the Lord teaching you? Do you value his instruction? Do you maintain a healthy self-watch? It can save your life. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. It is much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. Let's pray. Lord, we will sing of your mercies. We know we are not deserving your kindnesses, but you have lavished them upon us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the new covenant of grace. We praise you for reconciling us to yourself in the person of your Son, who has given us a standing in your presence, a hope, and a future. We love your word and the testimonies of your bountiful dealings with those whom you call into a relationship with yourself. Keep us alert to opportunities to show kindness to others. Help us to overcome evil with good. We love you, and we want to demonstrate that by caring for your flock today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us during our Bible reading today. This has been a major milestone. We have now completed all four Gospels. Today, completing the Gospel according to John and tomorrow we begin the book of Acts. It is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles. But as we will learn, it's the Acts of the Lord Jesus Christ through His body, the Church, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we hope that you'll be with us tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can write an email to podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a daily email with a written copy of our meditation upon our Bible reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org. So until tomorrow, let us be walking in the wisdom of God's Word, filled with His Holy Spirit, that we might express His life as members of the body of which he is the head in every word and every deed. Peace be with you.